growth can be in many, many different parameters. It doesn't have to be financial as long as it comes back to the root of making you a better person. Welcome to The Lensetter Show, the show that blends the art of sales, the science of success, and the strategies of real experts in the mortgage and sales industries to help you grow your client base, increase your revenue, and get in control of your life. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley. Kick back, enjoy the episode, and don't forget to subscribe. What's going on, friends? Welcome to this episode of The Lens Setter Show. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley, and I'm here joined by somebody I've been following for years now, somebody who has been very impactful uh, with a lot of celebrities, a lot of uh, uh, influential people, uh, Steve Sims, who has created, he's essentially creates experiences for people who want to be able to do out-of-this-world stuff. And that's been, uh, you know, how he's really built a reputation over the years. And so I'm very excited to have him on today. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on The Lensetter Show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, this is, I, I think, I'm really excited to have you on our, on our podcast because um, we talk a lot with our community about creating an experience for, for, their, for their, you know, their prospects, their customers that really differentiates that that it's a wow experience right i i would i would normally liken this to disney that's normally who i use who i think can take the mundane and make it something that you know can stay with somebody for generations but i think what you do actually taps into even more uh, i wouldn't say niche but a focused you're a very focused unique cool experience type of person so first of all what got you into that and where did, I know you've done work with like Elton John and stuff like that. What took you from kind of getting into this space, figuring this out? Because it's, I mean, it's kind of a blue ocean. There's not many people that do what you do, right? So how did yeah. you get into that? And how did you kind of grow to become what you have? I'm glad people don't do what I do because it makes me look better by doing <laughs> things easier. Um, because inherently people are fucking lazy. Um, True. The point is that we're going to have a podcast now. And we are going to drop people nuggets and we are going to give them ideas on what they can do to stand out, stand up, make more money, make more impact, create a greater relationship capital. And they're not going to do it. Okay. And if anyone out there is kind of like, oh, he's baiting me, who wins if I lose? You do. <laughs> so, you know, I want you to step up. But I've noticed that most people, and you actually mentioned it right at the beginning, they have an incredibly low bar to what they think creating a trigger actually is. And I was a, a bricklayer from East London, uh, got kicked out of school, never went to college, never had any mentors, never had YouTube or Instagram to point out how inadequate or dumb I was. So I never had any, what I felt at the time, ability to grow my mindset. Mm. Other than that little thing inside every entrepreneur that says, hey, does it have to be like this? You know, surely, surely there's something better. You know, that little bugging little thing on your shoulder that says, hey, try something different. So what I did was I started hanging out at bars. Um, and that was literally how it started. I started hanging out at affluent bars to see how affluent people handled each other. Nice. Now, of course, whenever you go to any kind of like high end bar, you've got those people that have got enough money to be able to buy the bar without even denting that credit card. And you've got a lot of wannabes that are pretending. Okay, so first of all, you had to differentiate. You had to be able to dis discover who was the real, who was the fake. That was a learning curve. Then you had to learn the conversations, and then you had to come up to the point with, okay, for me to be in the conversation. And here's the big, big answer to your question: 
For me to be in your conversation, what am I bringing to the conversation? What can I bring to you that makes you want to have a conversation with me? If I go up to you, and I remember this, and I'll tell you point blank, I remember seeing a guy, I've always been on motorcycles, and I'm a big, ugly guy, and I saw this guy turn up, he had a beautiful girlfriend, he had a brand new car, he was wearing a jacket. You know, I thought this guy was James Bond. And I was actually leaving the pub because I'd run out of money and I couldn't afford another beer. And I was pissed off. And most of us work from aggravation. You know, something bothers us. Our mm. income, our relationships, the relationships we have with our kids. And that aggravation is good because it makes us do things. When we're unhappy about something, we usually fall into the settle zone. When we're aggravated about something, we do it. So keep hold of that aggravation. I saw this guy and I was aggravated that he had everything that I thought I wanted. I literally ran up to him with a crash helmet in my hand and I went, hey, how come you're rich and I'm not? Now, he moved into that car faster than a seal coming out of ice water and he drove off wheel spinning down the road. I don't even know if he, if he had his girlfriend in the car. That guy was gone. But I wanted to know the answer. Yeah. I seriously wanted to know, how come you had it and I didn't? I turned around to my two buddies. They were pissing themselves. And they were like, have you seen what you looked like? You came at that guy, you, big, with a, with a crash helmet, scared the shit out of the guy. You're lucky you never got arrested. But I needed to know. So I went on a right. journey to try and find out how people had relationships, how they had money, how they had opportunities. I really desperately... But I know it's a bit dirty. I've got a friend of mine, Mikey, that is a phenomenal auto detailer. Here's the scoop. Chat with me for 20 minutes. I'll have him come over. He'll wash your car on my expense. And I would do things like that. And people would be like, uh, what do you want to know? How come you're rich and I'm not? You know, and it was, really, it was really bad at the beginning how I would ask the questions. But here's the first nugget. Everyone get a pen and paper. If you get a bad answer... It's probably because you're asking a bad question. Mm. And that was my first lesson. My communication... People, people pay me a lot of money to speak on stages all over the world on the art of communication. And it makes my family laugh. And it makes me laugh, actually. I get paid a lot of money to talk about communication because I never used to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. I learned how to communicate in order to be able to get paid. And so, you know, harness those mistakes, harness those bad conversations. Every bad relationship you've ever had should have taught you how to have a good relationship. So that was it. Quite simply, I was poor, never had any future, but I was desperate and aggravated and motivated enough to actually go out and try and have a conversation with people at the time who I thought had all that shit together until you realize that no one's got all that shit together. Right, right, right. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a different kind of uh, disorder. Um, y your, your introduction into that reminded me of a quote that I heard. I can't remember who said it, but uh, essentially it was, the, for, you, for, for change to happen, the pain to remain the same has to outweigh the pain to change. And you know, there has to be this like, well, what the, what's going on? Why am I not? Why is he and why am I not? You know? mm -hmm. And, and I, I feel like uh, uh, that's almost a catalyst to a lot of entrepreneurs' own heroes' journey. I mean, it sounds like that was kind of the foundation for you. Yeah, it was. I, I, I feel a lot of people, they internalize that pain and then they try to hold it in. Um, I couldn't understand why not me. 
Um, and I remember being on the building site and, you know, I was in England. England's not known for its sunny weather. Um, and I'm on a building site and I'm getting shit on and I'm getting cut up and I'm talking with a bunch of guys that basically the night before were in a, you know, a pub brawl and just getting drunk. And I'm thinking, is this my life? Is this it? And a lot of people, when they have that aggravation, they go, oh, settle, know your place, stick to your lane, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and they come up with all those freaking things. But entrepreneurs, we don't. We go, hang on a minute. Why does it need to be? So I literally went out on a journey of a million mistakes uh, and a million points of education to the point now where I can text Elton John, you know. So I've got to that point now where I learned the questions that needed to be asked in order to benefit the person that would ask, that was asking, that I was asking, that would in turn benefit me, whether mm. it be through intelligence. And that's the other thing. A lot of people look at that uh, benefactor as a paycheck, okay? I've got people that I converse with now that are far poorer than me on the financial scale, but they make me laugh and they keep me real. And I've got people that I don't do business with, but I converse with and I help them because their education helps me become educated. So, you know, the growth can be in many, many different parameters. It doesn't have to be financial as long as it comes back to the root of making you a better person. I love that. Well, when, okay, so, so I, it's great to hear kind of your introduction in this world because uh, it's a very just humble beginnings. Like, and, 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 and obviously we all have our own struggles in our journey, but like you, you had the, the, I guess the balls to do what most people don't, which is ask yeah. that question to begin with. Right. Yeah. And that started you on this journey. Um, what kind of, I mean, this became your real, real direction in life, right? Yeah. To, professionally, right. It was, it, yeah. it, it's no longer just a question. It was like a, this became a skill that you honed. And so I'm kind of curious about what kind of took you from that to go, you know what? I could do this for influential people. I can, I can help influential people. I can connect influential people. Like, what was that evolution like? Um, blind, I think, is the, is the easy answer to that. Because I had gone from riding around on a motorcycle to working on the door as a, as a, as a pub thug. You know, I was that guy. But I looked a certain way, but I wanted something else. And I went from the kind of like, hey... I can get your car cleaned to, hey, I know there's a private party going on in the back. I'll get you in. I always knew that I had to bring value to you to get your attention. Okay. Mm. I always knew that. And I couldn't do it through funny jokes because I wasn't funny. I couldn't do it through great quotes because I didn't know quotes at the time. I had no intelligence. Um, and I, I wanted to be able to grab your attention by giving you what you needed. Now, here was the funny thing. I had had this primitive idea, and bearing in mind, I met my wife when I was 17, she was 16, so we've been together forever. And I used to say to her, hey, I'm in the wrong sandpit. And I always used to say this, I know the wrong people, they can't help me. Hey, if I'm at a pub fight, they're great. If I want my bank balance to be increased, if I want a legacy, if I want a future, they're not the people. The people right. that can get you here aren't always the people that can get you there. Classic Cameron Harold. So I, I knew I needed to get a different sandpit of people that thought, acted, and disrupted differently. And I said to Claire, if I can get into that sandpit, they will give me a job. They will see the value that I have. They will see my attention to detail. They will see my motivation. They will see that I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do what's necessary and go home at 12 o'clock at night when the job's done, not just because the day's done. 
And I thought, if they can see that, I'm going to get a job. So for many years, while building up this network, I was actually misfocused mis, uh, mis on the fact that I would get a job from them. And during this time, I was working with Formula One at Ferrari. I was working with the largest jewellery firm in England. I was working with the New York Fashion Week. I had all of these major organizations and heads of these companies that were getting me these contracts. I was working for them. I was getting paid. I was living in a penthouse, still thinking that one day they going to give me the job. And it was my wife that one day turned around and went, you don't realize you already have a job. You've created your own job. Right. I was like, shit, yeah, I have. Now, like all entrepreneurs, when everything goes well, what do we do? We fuck it up. We find a way to screw it up. And I did. Um, and for the past, for the next year, I spent kind of like destroying what I had and the, the beautiful, almost naivety of what I had and try to make it corporate. Um, mm. I remember people saying to me, you, you can't have tattoos and a black T-shirt. You can't turn up to billionaires on motorbikes. You can't, you can't look like you do. You've got to cover your tats, get rid of your piercings. You know, no one will take you seriously. Bear in mind, for eight years, that's all I did was turn up on a motorbike, threw the crash helmet on the, on the desk and was like, hey, Johnny, how can we help you? And he just opened, happened to own something like a country. You know, I was already doing that. But, of course, that doubt gets in all of us. Um... And it, it got to me, and I spent a year kind of like losing everything I had and then gaining it back, back again. So thankfully, I did it in like a 10-month period. But it was Claire that actually pointed out I had that job. And then I realized it was a Trojan horse. I didn't want to be, and we ended up being called the concierge to the most influential people in the planet. Forbes called me the real-life Wizard of Oz. Right. You know, I got accolades. I was well-known as hanging around with Elon Musk and Bocelli and the Pope. And, you know, hey, that's great. You know, I'm not, I'm not dissing that. But that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to have a conversation with someone that owned the largest print press in, in, in I don't know, New York. And I'd go, hey, how do you control... Or how do you communicate? Or how do you build a community? I wanted to speak to people that were, were powerful and go, hey, how do you see opportunities? How do you take on partners? How do you delegate? Delegation is probably the hardest thing all entrepreneurs have. How do you delegate? How do we trust in a cynical world? How do we trust? And I wanted to have those conversations. My vehicle was the concierge firm. And thankfully, I sold it. I don't know, when my first book came out, Blue Fishing, um, about eight years ago, um, still part of it. But I, I realized that the Trojan horse was I would come in if you, as a very powerful person, wanted to be backstage hanging out with Taylor Swift or on stage with the rock band Journey or playing drums with Guns N' Roses. Hey, I'll do that. But can we have dinner? Now, of course, I would always charge my clients. So financially, it was working well because, again, great believer, second nugget. If they don't pay, they don't pay attention. I've never sure. given anything away for free because if I give it away for free, what is the value? Eh. So pay or they don't pay attention. And I used to go, hey, you want to you hang out with Guns N' Roses? I'll organize that. By the way, once we've done it, let's have dinner. And then I'd be like, hey, you own the largest Porsche dealership in Texas. How did you get your start? Why there? How do you handle awkward clients? How do you get new clients? How do you market? And I've been able to have these conversations with, quite simply, the most powerful people throughout the planet. Some of them you've never heard of. 
their own armies, their own businesses, their own countries, heads of countries. I've been able to sit down and literally have a hot dog in the back garden and go, how do you trust people when you're at this level? Mm. And that's where my growth's coming. Of course, now I, you know, I coach, train, and speak all over the planet on that. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Uh, uh, I was just thinking as you were kind of talking uh, about your journey, uh, just one thing stood out to me. This is an exercise that, that Russell Brunson had us go through a while ago, but it was essentially creating your eulogy, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's kind of, you're in a unique situation because you've, you've been involved and connected. And, and, and I think that the cool thing about your journey that, that really allowed you or, or mm, allowed you might not be the right word, but, but really helped you fortify this kind of position you had um, is the fact that you went the extra mile all the time, right? Is like it, it, most people view a connection as we're Facebook friends. I have your phone number. You know, I could reach out to you should I want to, but you did the work, right? That was yeah. to you a connection was a relationship. This was not just a a phone number. This wasn't a contact in a CRM. This was a human being that you helped solve problems for, and in turn would build a relationship with. Well, everything you've said, you can't purchase. You can't download it from the app store. You can't order two buckets of it on Amazon. Yet everyone thinks they've got it. You know, you turn around and I I spoke at an event. It was actually a real estate event in um, uh, North Carolina a little while ago. And I said, look, how many of you here uh, are friends? And, you know, like everyone put their hands up. How many of you haven't spoken to each other for a year? And like pretty much most of them. I said, you're not friends, you're associates. You know, when you know the middle name, you know the dog's name and you know what they order at the bar before they get there. Now you're starting to get into the friend zone, but people don't respect that. Everyone today on that on that 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 hit list is chat GPT and AI technology and all this kind of stuff, which is making us worse at communicating. This is a tool. And it's a tool to make us better, but people are using it as a tool to replace us. Yeah. The one thing that we need, and we you put me on a soapbox now, as woke as we think we are, as developed and as evolved as we are, we're fucking not. If we see something attractive, it could be the smell of a hot dog, it could be a motorcycle, it could be a car, it could be a pretty girl, it could be a pretty, a pretty guy, whatever. Whatever attracts us, we're drawn to it. And when we walk past a bush and it rattles, we shit ourselves. You know, what the hell's in there, you know? We're very primitive. And one of those primitive things we need is to connect with another human being. That's what we need to do. Look at what happened during COVID. We went from not being able to connect to actually creating riots because there had to be some form of connection. Now, a lot of those riots were for good reasons, but I guarantee you 30% of those people in those riots didn't know what they were rioting for. They just used it as an excuse to get out of that room, walk around with a freaking banner. People need to connect. And when you're talking to someone, they need to know that you're heard, that you understand. And to do that, you've got to put the mileage in. Don't give a client what they ask for. That's called a transaction. That's what Amazon does every day. Give them what they need. Give them what they desire. Challenge why they're thinking about this. If you'll let me, I've got a little story which will explain this. Go into it. And it's in the real estate world. So I had, uh, I had a coaching client, and uh, she was a, a great lady, um, North Carolina, and she had uh, a real estate license. She was doing really well, and she had a hit list of these clients that she wanted to get 
into her world. And she wasn't getting any of them. And she contacts me one day and she said, this lady has contacted me to find her house on this street and I'm dying. And I said, well, well you know, let's have a phone call. Let's get nice. I said, okay, who is this woman? She tells me who this woman is. She was madly enamored with this lady, very powerful lady in North Carolina. And she said, she finally come to me to get her a house. And she's told me what she wants. She's told me the street she wants it on. And I've gone, okay, and, and what have you done? She said, I've given her everything on that street. She said, it's not even a big street. She said, there's not a lot of houses. I've even knocked on houses and gone, hey, would you be open to selling? But everything I give her, she says no to. And I said, well, there's the problem. She's like, why? She said, I've given her everything. What? No, you've given her what she asked for. What she doesn't know is what you need to know. I said, you need to challenge her. Have you asked her why that street? She's like, no. She asked me that she wanted to be on this street, wanted three bedrooms, wanted a pool. I went and found it all, and she doesn't like it. He said, you've got to communicate with your client. You've got to build up a relationship. This is what you do. You go back, and the first word you say is, I apologize, I've done you a disservice. I'd like to ask you straight off the bat, why that street? Before we get into everything else, why there? And people are scared of using that three-letter word, why? People will literally text me, and I'm warning anyone now just in case they do, they will text me and they will DM me and they will go, Hey, Steve, I'm in L.A. We should get together for a beer. Why? <laughs> now, a lot of people will find that offensive and I get some really violent responses because I find it funny. But then I'll get other people go, Well, I'm working on this project and I think you can... Oh, okay, great. Either yes or no or you need to speak to someone else. So why is a great question to ask. When this lady went back to her client and said why... She told her the story that as she was growing up and didn't have money, no matter where her mum took her, the dentist, the mall, the grocery store, she would drive down this street and she would always drive down this street and tell her daughter, this is where the people that made it live. Mm. So her daughter wasn't trying to find a three-bedroom house. She was trying to complete the chapter that her mum had visualised that this was the... As soon as the realtor realised that she was trying to find the made-it street, and let's be blunt, streets change over the years, don't they? For sure. You know, you look at Soho and you look at, you know, meatpacking district. These are shithole areas that now most people can't afford to live in. I know I lived in East London that's now full of $2 million lofts and it was drug dens when I was living there. So as soon as she realized that, hey, you need to move into the Made It Street, she offered us some of those, those new locations. She bought the first house she showed her because she had challenged the reason behind the request. And today we're scared to ask why. So I think today you can download anything. Me and you could download uh, the intelligence we need from an Apple store to build a bridge. We could learn a foreign language within two months, again, by downloading something. But the ability for two people to connect, listen, hear, and be heard and connect... It's still something that we need to fine-tune, and we're getting really shit at it. And the good thing, the good thing about people getting so bad at it is that I end up looking amazing. So thank you. <laughs>
Well, you know, it's, it's interesting as you were telling that story about that street. My, my first instinct was there's a childhood thing here. There's something childhood rooted, right? It's like oh, yeah. this is an emotional there's, – there's rarely a logical thing for something as specific as a street, right? It's like that's a memory. That's a, that's a thought. That's a – you know, you're, it's anchored to something else that's emotional, which, you know, this is the made it street, which taps into status. I mean oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's 100 percent emotional. You know, and that's such a good question uh, in any capacity. Why? I, I've never seen it used actually like you did for let's get dinner. I, I actually want to adopt that because there's plenty of requests where I would like more information, please. <laughs> oh, that's a great way. You know, getting getting information and swapping intelligence uh, is, is your growth. Um, and I've, I've been very fortunate to have conversations with amazing people. But you're right. It, we, we think we're developed, but there's a lot more triggers in us than we realize. And if you don't believe it, drive down the road, turn the radio on, and then just think about that one tune that suddenly makes you bounce. That banger from when you were in the clubs, the tune that reminded you of a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you broke up with, the tune that you remember when you were on holiday with your parents before you lost a member of the family. We have these triggers. That's why your big car companies like Ford during COVID, focused on bringing back the Bronco because it heartened back to a mm. days of just less complication. Levi jeans. We focus on things where things were easier then. They weren't, but our mind romanticizes and polishes the past. Right. But we do like to trigger back. And that's why you'll see a lot of people wearing the watches of, say, what their father wants. Oh, my dad always wanted a Rolex. So look, I got a Rolex. Mm-hmm. It may not be the best watch in the world. It's a great watch, but you got it because of the anchor. So we're actually a lot more anchored and triggered than we realize. I, uh, I, I teach in our sales training for our, for our members. Um, you know, one, one of the lessons, it's, it's cool to hear your take on it because it's, it's kind of a different angle of a similar conversation. But I talk about how, um, you know, this goes back to we've evolved technologically like this. We've evolved yep. biologically like this, right? And, yep. and if you look over thousands of years, I mean, literally the Stone Age wasn't that long ago in the history of the planet. It's a long time for a human life, right? But it's not long in, in time. And uh, 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 everything's changed, but nothing's changed at the same time. And the example I always use to, to help people understand this is imagine your life. Imagine everything's the same as it is now, except the power grid goes down completely, filtered water stops, and you no longer have electricity, air conditioning, fresh water, and all you have is what's in your house. It's about 72 hours before you revert to a very tribal species. Yep. You know, we have these, these niceties. We have all of these, these luxuries, these pleasantries. But the moment those are removed, we're really animals, you know. Oh, we're back. We're back. And, and, and you, you hit it on the head. We go back. It's in us. You know, if someone's walking down the street and I don't care how, I'm big and ugly. I don't care how small the fella is. If I go to grab his wife's handbag or I go to grab his wife or his child, that guy's going to turn into an animal and he's going to become protective. For sure. We actually have that in us. It's just a case of whether or not it's unlocked. You know, you, you watch these programs and they like, well, could he commit murder? Everyone could commit murder. In a certain situation, everyone will protect those that they love and, and they, that they protect. So we are animals. And you, to add another layer to your statement regarding technology and biology, our desire to consume 
overweighs our ability to retain. Every single year, we want the latest iPhone. We want the latest Mac. We want the latest this, that, the latest tune from a celebrity. We like the music from, you know, this artist. When's the next single coming on? We constantly want what's next. But our, our ability to retain has not grown. And it's, it's stated we only retain 20% of a conversation. That's why between the pair of us in, what, I don't know, 30 minutes... We've dropped nuggets that even if people carried two of them mm-hmm. would enhance our business tenfold. But I'm guaranteeing you most of the people, not all I hope, but most of the people listening to this podcast may grab one or after this will listen to another podcast and it will slide. So I want to kind of, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, I mean, hope you- I'm wrong. I, 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 for your community, I hope I'm wrong. And if I'm challenging and I'm badgering and I'm poking the bear to get you to actually do something, I don't benefit from it. You do. So I hope you do it. But I am poking the bear on that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, you know, there's a lot of this that, I mean, I know you're right for the standard. Um, One of my mentors, Dan Kennedy, uh, taught me uh, uh, a few years ago, all all bad things happen automatically. All good things happen intentionally. Right, like you have to spend energy to make a good thing happen. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about a car, if you want it to go faster, what do you have to do? Well, you have yeah. to invest. You have to tinker. You got to pay somebody to tinker. There's you, things have to be done. You want it to break? What do you have to do? Nothing. Do literally do nothing. It it will break. That's the way it works. And life is that way. We break if we don't intentionally do things. Our health deteriorates. Our relationships deteriorate. Like literally, everything will break. If, it, if there's no intervention to, to make it better. And uh, I thought that that was a really powerful uh, uh, thing that he taught me. And, and, you know, it's, I mean, relationships are very much this way. I, I'd imagine that if you just, thr- like, if you just decided to step away and you stop talking to all the people that you have relationships, even you would have an uphill battle. And, you know, let's say you go away for three years and come back. I mean, there's going to be like, where'd you go? Why, why'd you stop talking to me? There's going to be a, you know, oh, yeah. they're going to feel hurt. They're going to feel disconnected. They're going to feel something negative, right? Because, well, bad things happen automatically, right? It's an effort. It, you're, you're totally right. It's an effort, okay? And the downside is people look at effort as a negative. If I said to you, hey, I'm going to take you to a favorite restaurant tonight, that's, that's, not a, that's not an effort, but you still got to get dressed up. You still got to drive there. You still got to go there. And if I said to you, oh, by the way, you're going to be there with your three best mates. Hey, you, you're going to be talking, you're going to be laughing, you're going to be drinking, but there's still momentum, there's still purpose in that. People don't relate to the fact that when you're having a good conversation, like if I say to you, phone up five of your best mates today, I'm guessing you're going to be lucky if you get through three. Why? Because when you're on the phone with your best mate, you end up being on the phone for two hours, mm-hmm. Okay. But if I say to you, phone up five people that you hate, five people that you loathe, five people you wish were never on this earth that are in your circle, I'm guessing I'd be lucky if you phoned up one of those. And when you did phone up one, you'd probably avoid the phone for the rest of the day. So it does take effort, but that doesn't mean that it's bad effort. It Mm. actually comes back in spades. I actually love contacting people. covid Okay, here's a here's a the, the nugget for you to get me cancelled. Fucking loved COVID, absolutely loved it. Anyone that lost a family member, got in a pain, got in. A, I apologize. I'm sorry for your loss. Me, 
I got 24-7 with my family. I knew I loved them. I didn't know how much I liked them. And anyone that I wanted to contact, they weren't going anywhere. I could literally wake up in the morning and go, who am I going to call today? Knowing full well that you weren't at a speaking gig. You weren't buying a new company. You were stuck at home in your gym jams, probably pissed off that you wanted to get out. And I could phone you up on FaceTime and go, John, how are you? And they'd be like, Steve. And here's a dark thing. I did an event at the Orpheum Theatre a little while ago in downtown LA. And I had a couple of friends of mine turn up. And like a lot of people in COVID, it messed with people's finances. Of course it did. It it, it freaking did that. And um, she came over to me. Now, I've known him longer than her. I'm not going to mention names. She came over to me and she went, thank you so much. And I was like, oh, you know, what's this for? You know, and she said, you contacted us during COVID. And she said, and you were asking, I wasn't selling anything. I didn't have a course, just checking how they were, you know, mm-hmm. putting the effort in to continue the relationships in what for a lot of people was a dark period. She said, you know how many other people phoned up just to check on us? I was like, well, you know, you, you've got loads of friends. She said, you, just you. Everyone else was like, hey, I'm working on this. Can you partner with me? Hey, I want to develop this. Can you help me? Hey, can you introduce me? to You're the only one that phoned up and that left the call and never asked for anything. Now, while that maybe should have made me feel very proud, it made me feel violent. People missed a phenomenal opportunity to strengthen their relationships. I was in a room with 50 people and this lady came up and chose me to thank me for showing my connection. And a guy next to me that I don't know very well turned around, literally turned around. He went, you're the kind of man I need in my circle. Please talk to me about your coaching. You talk about, you know, ROI. This, she walked up, walked away. I had a new coaching client within three minutes. It was just ridiculous. But how bad is it? There's so many people missed out on that opportunity because they will fear doing the work. And as you said, I put in the extra mile because I get 10 mile back. Right. I put my effort in. I could lose all of my money. I could lose all of my motorcycles. I could lose all of my whiskey. And I would only have to make two or three phone calls tomorrow and I would have a job and I would be back on my feet. Yeah. You know, there's something that, that, especially in the industries that we serve, which is, you know, primarily mortgage. Uh, we also work with salespeople, and, and uh, uh, it's been highly requested. We work with real estate agents. The, the, the thing that I've seen that's prevalent, especially when I listen to, to loan officers' calls, you know, mortgage professionals, uh, that are either on the front end of our program or not in our program at all, uh, uh, one of the things I see as prevalent is there's kind of like this, I call it booty call marketing. Um, you know, it's really, it's, they only hit them up if they think there's a purchase. They only hit them up if they think it's the good opportunity to do a refinance. And so one of the things that I actually train on in our community is like the, the barometer that I set for this, cause our, my real estate agent actually has this with me. Um, if you showed up at their doorstep, knocked on their door on Thanksgiving, would they let you in and join them at the dinner table? If you can't answer yes to that, you got a phone call to make. You got a card to send. You got a, you got a, like, that's yep. to me the barometer. Cause my real estate agent, to give you an example, I, I, I rave about him all the time. And we actually don't talk about real estate. It, I mean, I, I think we talked about it as much as we practically had to during the purchase of my last home. But, but he, he's known as the bacon realtor in Arizona. It's kind of, kind of a, a weird thing to be known for. 
But like he he popped by one day and he like trespassed into my yard and threw a pool flo- a bacon shaped pool floaty into my pool, right? And it's like you know it's like it sounds weird, but it's like I wasn't pissed. I thought it was hilarious. He stopped yeah. by during Christmas to bring me this weird. It looked like dehydrated meat. I don't know if it was real, but it was like a bacon shaped Christmas ornament, and it's just like what. You know, and when we talk, we just talk about silly, weird stuff. But I know at any point, if I had a real estate question, I got the guy. Now, coincidentally, nothing about that was inherently like required some certain special skill or some some crazy doctorate or master degree. Uh, um, But ironically, he's a million dollar commissions producer in the real estate vertical. And he's it's just human relationship. You know, it's like he forges a friendship with the people he does business with and it's like you would have to fight me like lowering your commission wouldn't be good enough to me for me to replace kurt like i I would have i would be rioting in the streets if i couldn't have him help me with my next transaction you'd be disgusted i've often found that when value comes into play price tag goes out the window if you are literally having an argument with a client over the price tag you failed to demonstrate the value Now, people will use me and work with me, and I'm expensive, but they will work with me knowing full well that they get the value three times that. And as you said, he forged a relationship. He used effort, ingenuity, creativity, and the best hook for a trigger, humor. I will never forget the bacon realtor, you know, Mm. because that's, that's how you've summed him up. It's a great line in it. How many of your people listening to this, if they left the room, would have that kind of moniker repeated about them when they walked out? Mm. Very limited. Well, we literally just did a training the other day where I was talking about the unique selling proposition of of the people on the call. And I said, here's the catch. You have to be able to explain yourself in an otherwise commoditized market because – What's the difference between your mortgage, their mortgage, their mortgage, their mortgage, the rate? It's all rates, products, benefits, yep. programs, right? That's a commodity. I was like, yep. you, you have to be able to explain your unique selling proposition, but here's the catch. You can't talk about <coughs> how good your rates are. You can't talk about how many programs or, or loan products you have. You can't talk about how fast you close. You can't talk about how you're a nice guy or lady and how much you care. You have to be able to get somebody to go, I want to do business with them and, and you can't explain it using – because that's, that's like the ante to just – that's the job. You should have low rates. You should have products and programs. You should be doing these things, right? But what separates you from the commodities? Well, that's a hard question to yeah, answer. You, uh, today, branding um, is not corporate. It's personal. Uh, everyone has a brand, you know, mm-hmm. um, and – The brand is what people say about you when you're no longer in the conversation. What are they saying? Now, you can give as much information. If you sell 20 different colors of shoes and you leave the room and someone says, hey, you need Johnny because he sells brilliant yellow shoes, that's your brand. All your other shoes are out the window. You just now sell yellow shoes. So Mm. you want to understand what are people saying about you when you're not in the conversation? And more importantly, are they? Mm. That's that's phenomenal. What what are some so so I actually kind of want to tactically talk. Uh, I'd like to kind of create a nugget from your perspective for that person. So let's imagine that we're kind of consulting or coaching a, a, a mortgage professional who 
you know, they, they have a CRM and they have maybe did some automated digital newsletter that they, you know, their company created. They don't know how to be involved in. So it's not even personalized, right? It's like d default vanilla content. Uh, so they have like this minimal relationship, if you even want to call it that. And there's the occasional maybe automated happy birthday thing or automated Christmas thing. And there's the, they call the person maybe, maybe once a year. Maybe, right? But usually it's when it's convenient for them and they think there's opportunity, right? And it's very opportunistic in that capacity. And I think short-sighted generally. What are some things that you think somebody in that situation could do? Because uh, a lot of this is, I don't want to say theoretical because that's not the right, but it's high level. This is kind of principle and strategy, not so tactical, right? But right. for somebody that's, they're like, okay, well, this is how I've been taught. This is what my sales trainer taught me to do. I, I'm not great at sales. I, I haven't really done this. How can they take some steps, you know, because it's, it's, it's one thing to hear from you. It's like, yeah, okay, you can call Elton John. I don't have anybody that's special I can call aside from my mom. How do I get a step in your direction? How do I, you know, kind of evolve a, a little bit? What's the first phase of this? So you're seeing me at the kind of tip of my iceberg, Okay, you're seeing me with the confidence, the Rolodex, the credibility, the notoriety. You're seeing all of that. Go back 30 years, and I was still 240 pound of pierced biker. Excuse me. <coughs> I think I swallowed a fly. <laughs> I knew I was not good looking. I knew I was not suave. I knew I was not fuzzy and warming. But I knew I had your solution. So I was shit with sales. I'm shit at networking. My God, you take me to a networking event, I'll be the guy in the corner drinking my old-fashioned, growling at anyone that comes five feet within me, okay? I am god-awful at networking, and anyone you ask will be like, oh, yeah, he's hilarious. Um, but I, I do not give up a, hey, come hug me and talk to me about your problems kind of vibe. But I'm there to solve. You don't have to worry about being a salesperson. You need to worry about being smart enough to solve the problem they have. And if I can solve your problem, you're going to keep coming to me. You know, you're going to come to me time and time again. So focus, first of all, are you a solution to somebody's problem? That's, that's the first thing. Then how can you show they care? And you mentioned about, well, my mentors or my trainers taught me this. The problem with the trainers that train the trainers is that this is information going back 30 years. Nothing that we did six months ago is engaging today. You've constantly got to tweak the wheel. One of the things I like to do, and I've actually trained people on this, so you're getting this firsthand and free, is text. Most people will open up an email and respond, if politely, within a 48 to 72 hour period. Most people will respond to a text within a two hour period. So you've got a far faster and shorter conversation on text, okay? Now, if you're working an area, you mentioned Arizona, maybe there's a new restaurant that comes out that's just got a great review, and you text all of your people, which is going to take you. Now, you can buy a mass texting system through a company like Twillow's, or there's other companies out there that you can do mass texting, or you can just text it directly from your phone and go, hey, John... Saw the review of the latest Vietnamese restaurant. Looks great. If you're ever free on a Friday, maybe you should take the family there. Cut and paste that whole thing. Change, obviously, the first name. And spend 10 minutes while you're drinking your coffee just texting 50 clients. 
You know, oh, the new fair's coming up. Oh, there's a street market going on. Oh, I saw the hurricanes coming in. Make sure your patio equipment's down. Little stuff like that being texted out separates you from the people that quite, quite openly don't do this shit because they're still doing the email with the pretty pictures. They've still got their picture up there on the realtor board that they shot 30 years ago when they were thinking about doing soft porn. You know, they've got all of those kind of standard kind of things. But when you show you care, everything else goes by the wayside. And I think that's the thing. You, I, I had a, a client in L.A. And um, sadly, and I regret this, and that's a great reaction. She didn't sell me her, her, my house. There was another woman that sold it that I've never conversed with since. But that woman, every email she sends out, there's one house. And then there's a list of things that are happening in Los Angeles. From markets to high-end restaurants, the latest store that got a good review, you know, roadworks going on. It's like a local guide. Now, I've never, ever done business with that woman. And I don't intend on moving out of the house that I'm in. But I have forwarded her email probably 20 times every time it lands in my inbox. And I know she's got clients out of me. So are you dealing with the person or are you dealing with that circle? And you can only show you care when you step up to care. This reminds me of a a quote that I heard. it was, it was, it's not really a quote. It was more of a story. And, uh, I think it was on a YouTube video I watched, but a guy was talking about, uh, he, he posed a question. He said, you know, if you think back to your childhood and you think back to the people that you loved most, the people you, 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 you just like, if you think about them, you feel just like, oh man, that, you know, they're good people. Were they interested or were they interesting? Mm. And he's like, you know, when you pose that question, it's like, well, it was my cousin. My cousin would always come over and he would bring me something and he'd spend time and he'd ask me questions. And, you know, it wasn't that these were like NASA rocket scientists. They weren't, you know, uh, Michael Jordan. I mean, for some people, that's a, a reality. But it's like for most people, it was a pretty normal person who was interested. It wasn't that they were interesting. It wasn't that you were like, oh, this person has such a cool rap sheet and resume. No, they cared. They took the time they invested and they were interested in you. It's not that they were into, and some people would be interested and interesting, right? But on average, the commonality was they were interested in you. And as a child, you felt special. You felt cared for, you felt connected, Mm. right? And the main difference is nothing changes in that from going from child to adult, other than the fact we kind of stopped doing it, right? We kind of stopped being interested. We, Focus on being interesting, but then we let go of the thing that actually connected us. In, in our conversations and in our clients, everyone's looking to get the sharper sword. They're all looking to get the better marketing, the better methods, the better CRM, the better email, the better conversion, the better open rates. And everyone starts looking at the icebergs. They start looking at the top of the tree. They start looking at Gary Vee. They start looking at Simon Sinek. They start looking at all of these people that are going to help them up there. I go ass up, okay? I look at the local heroes. When you go out to get your pizza, where do you get your pizza from? When you go out to get your pastries, where do you get... When you're running, getting some running shoes, when you're getting your car fixed, when you're getting your tires changed... What is it that always makes you go back to Ronnie's tires 
to get the tyres done? What is it that compels you? Is it because Ronnie's like stonkingly good looking and has got a YouTube channel with 4 million followers? Sure, shit, probably not. But he is what he is. He's impossible to misunderstand. And he provides a solution that works for you. And that's why you're loyal. And then whenever your tyres go, you're back at Ronnie's. You don't think. And good marketing, good relationships is when there is no other alternative other than the one you have. Yeah. That's what it's good for. So I suggest any marketing you're doing now, any way of trying to stand out, before you start looking at the, well, I've got to improve my CRMs, I've got to look at text accounts, I've got to look at Gary Vee, I've got to look at all of these, Steve Sims, I've got to look at all of these. Who do you spend your money with on a day-to-day basis and why have they got your attention? And as you say, it'll always come down to that single thing they provide, a, they provide a solution to your problem. It could be a great cup of coffee. could be a tire. But they're there for you. And they're dedicated to you. Because your credit card is dedicated to them. Mm. Well, and, 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 you know, to tie back to the story that you said, the, they're providing a solution. But I also want to kind of, for our audience specifically, unpack that a little bit more. Because it's easy for somebody to take them and be like, okay, they, they want me, you know, they want the, the loan. And it's like, but no, 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 no. Let's go back to the story about the, 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 the lady who had to ask why. She yeah. was providing a closed loop to a childhood memory. She was providing a, a feeling of status. She was providing a, a, a sense of like, I made it. Well, yeah. if you're selling bedrooms and bathrooms and there's a pool, there's, you know, you're by a school, that's all important. I'm not trying to say that it's not relevant but it's not why she wanted what she wanted, right? So the actual solution was giving her the status, the emotions, the feel-goods. The, that's what she wanted, and it took the form of a house in a place, right? And so when people are solving problems, right, like, like what Steve is, is talking about here is, you know, like, like the tire guy. It's like, why would you go to the same tire guy? I actually had a, a mechanic back when I lived in Washington State that, you know, he was not very polished. He always had, like, beaters out in the parking lot. It wasn't, like, a prestigious-looking place. Like, if you were looking for, this looks clean and high status, not this place. But Rod, he went by his last name, Rod would take damn good care of people. And I never felt like I had such an honest mechanic in my life. Like, he was the only guy that actually told me, mm, this is a, this car is old enough, I don't think this is worth it. I don't think, if I was you, I wouldn't do this. You stand a profit from this and you're telling me that I should – it's like, dude, that's, that's what I wanted was trust. I wanted somebody I could go to that I actually felt I had kind of a confidant in my problem, right? It's like I could have gone a bunch of different places for my car to get repaired, but I always went back to Rod, right? And so he provided a solution, which was the trust. He, he, I felt safe talking to him, whereas with most mechanics, I mean I don't think I'm alone in that. We all feel like, well, they could turn a wrench very quickly and make the, the, the perceived problem a real problem very quickly that now they have to solve, right? And it's like I didn't feel like I was being taken. I felt like I was being taken care of. And uh, uh, big difference, you know, and it's like kind of like that saying, big doors swing on small hinges, right? It's like yeah. it didn't cost him anything to be a good person, to be honest. But that was the solution to the problem was there was a lack of trust with most of these providers. They all provided car repair. He did it with integrity, with trust, and that's what I actually wanted, right? So it's, you know, the solution to the problem doesn't always take what you think. It doesn't always take the shape of what we sell, right? There's a reason why they want what we sell, 
But that, but that solution can take many forms. It could be status. It could be a, 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 an emotional thing. It could be they want to look good to their husband, their wife, their kids. They want to be respected. They want so many different th- things that are the solution that you could provide through your service. And trust is your decision. You know, I can't, I can't make you trust me. You, you're the one that has to kind of like take everything I've given you and go, okay, does this feel right? Does it add up? Does it work right? So I can't force you to trust me. So trust is always going to be your decision. I've got to be very simple to understand and impossible to misunderstand. Mm. And that's what's going to make it easier for you to go, this is the person. I love it. Steve, uh, before we close out, I always like to ask my guests, uh, because I think this is, I like to follow gold veins, right? And obviously you are very well connected. You know, you have, you've had a lot of great conversation with a lot of important people who know things, right? And, and through that, I, I obviously know, you know, things, um, what is a book that you feel or a resource that you've gone through in recent years that you felt was very transformational for you or evolutionary for you as, a, as an individual? Well, obviously, the, the, the most shallow thing would be to plug my own book, but um, I'm, not, I'm not that shallow. Um, one book that I can't help but ever put down, and it just keeps on appearing on my freaking desk, is Ryan Holiday's Trust Me, I'm Lying. That book, and I'm very fortunate, you know, Jay Abraham, Cameron Howell, Jim Quick, these are all good friends of mine, and they send me their latest books, and I love them. But Ryan's book is so relevant in today's world. And I say today's world, I think I started reading it 10 years ago, and it hasn't left the desk. So the world of distrust, manipulation, media controversy, and contortion he really puts a how-to book together to either use it for your benefit mm. or avoid it like the plague. So Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan, I would say, is probably one of my favorites. I think Jim Quick on, on the mindset um, is just phenomenal. And, of course, Go for Stupid by Steve Sims. Yeah, well, so um, that's actually something I did want to talk about before, before we exited. I know your, your first book that you wrote was Blue Fishing, which was, you know, a, a lot of people read and loved. And that, that yeah. I'm sure was a um, kind of a, a stepping, a, a very effective stepping stone into people connecting with you and coming into your ecosystem. Um, and I know since then you've wrote Go For Stupid. What do you feel, uh, uh, why sh- what would somebody be needing in life to, to where go for stupid's a no-brainer for a start i'm surprised people will even read it and i will tell you without trying to kind of like bait or poke it'll piss you off because people look for the outsourced answer to that problem hey i've got a problem how much is that 10 grand yes i'll pay well what if i gave you something that actually didn't cost you anything but took effort What about if I told you to focus on this? What about if I told you to send a postcard? What if I told you to actually knock on someone's door? What if I told you to show up and give someone a bacon-shaped floaty into that pool? The fact is most of these people look at that little shit and they go, that would never work. I'm going to discount it. I'm going to buy the 20 grand course. Nothing I do is rocket science. Nothing I do is hard. And more importantly, nothing I do is expensive. In fact, I give gifts to my clients 20 bucks max. When, I, when you start thinking about what can I give someone for 20 bucks, you put thought into it. 10 grand? Oh, I bought in this sofa. Oh, I bought in this TV. Oh, I bought in there. But when it's 20 bucks, you really put thought into it. 
So I'm all about the thought and attention. If you're aggravated with where you are and you actually want to sharpen your sword before battle, that's why you should buy the book. If you actually are prepared to take action and do something with it, that's why you should buy the book. So I'm a great focus on people taking action rather than trying to outsource with a paycheck. So, so go for stupid. Do you, do you feel it, it gives, it, it, it creates more of clarity around that, that persona that we talked about where it's like, they have the contacts, but they don't have the relationships and they need to understand how to, to how to deepen that, that meaning in that person's life. It sounds like go for stupid is that is the solution for that. It gives you the focus you need to enhance the relationships that you must have. Those are going to be the only thing to differentiate us and Amazon. Mm. I love it. That's, that's phenomenal. Steve, this has been, uh, honestly, uh, I feel like this has been a very powerful episode and uh, I'm going to have to listen to it a few times because there's some stuff that you talked about where I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to deepen my understanding of that as well. <laughs> um, how do you prefer people? Let's say somebody goes, dude, I love that Steve Sims guy. I, I want, I want to get more in his world. I want to connect with him. What, what's your preferred way for people to, to reach you? Shocking. They want to get hold of me. Shocking. Um, <laughs> They can go to simsdistillery.com, which is my community, uh, which I'm on every single week for an hour. Um, Or you can just look up Steve D. Sims anywhere. I'm at Steve D. Sims, only one M in Sims and D for dashing. But I'm on Steve D. Sims on Instagram, Twitter, threads, anything you like. Um, Probably most active on Instagram. But stevedsims.com will tell you about the book, Sims Distillery, and anything else that could disrupt you. All right, and I'll make sure we put these links in the show notes. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today and dropping these value nuggets. This has been really powerful. Um, I've gotten some stuff. I know our community will get some stuff. Um, Thank you so much. I'm very grateful. Cheers, pal. Look after yourself. Take care.